0: they should be the thread from seed to cup and i guess what i mean by that is that a head of coffee to me for a brand should have a touch point at every stage in that coffee's journey if you look at the hospitality
1: industry post-covid it's really when we talk about people being so important continuing to be able to attract staff and retain staff and train them and get them really excited about coffee is the most complex.
2: Our coffee program is 36% of our business, which is actually a really big number for a concept that has, you know, bakery, savory, and coffee. So we really want to do it well.
3: Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Coffee Business Magazine. For most coffee people, throwing on an apron and jumping behind the bar is the first step in their coffee journey. And after some months of pulling espressos and steaming endless amounts of milk, they may look around and wonder, what is the next step in their coffee career? And one obvious choice is head of coffee. But the role itself varies tremendously across each and every unique type of operation, and the skills required to succeed are very different to those needed to excel as a barista. So today, we'll be speaking with coffee operators of all shapes and sizes to understand the role and what it takes to succeed as a head of coffee. We'll speak with Chris Jordan of Cafe Nero, a multinational coffee shop chain with over a 1,000 sites and a large roasting program. We'll be hearing from Jennifer Salmone and Antonia Pataccio of Tarte, a premium bakery chain founded in Boston, Massachusetts. And we start with Ryan Garrick, Head of coffee for Watch House, a boutique specialty coffee business with around 10 locations across London, and five new UK sites already in design, plus a flagship store scheduled to open in Manhattan this November. Watch House has grown rapidly since its founding in 2014, and the head of coffee role has had to evolve as the business scaled up and grew more complex. Let's hear more from Ryan. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you very much, Jeff. Great to be here. Excellent. I wonder if you tell us about what got you into coffee and
0: when did it all start for you? Look, I, through my whole university career, which was in sport and psychology, I, I worked in hospitality. I was very curious about all things sensory. So I really enjoyed food and drink. And what actually happened was after my honours degree, I went to study and do further study in sports remedial therapy. And what actually happened was my friend told me there's this amazing coffee shop called Avenue Coffee and, and they gave me a job. And so. There I was just introduced to a world of coffee I didn't understand. It became the perfect fit for someone who was interested in food and drink, but not necessarily so much alcohol, Um, to see that there was this world of flavor in coffee, right? And also the added element of the reason I wanted to be a a therapist of some description was, I really enjoyed helping people and something like that. So then there was this whole other add-on of coffee where we talk about, you know, the impact that we can have at Origin and all these amazing social stories that people tell. So the topic of the day is head of coffee. What is a head of coffee? A head of coffee means different things. And that's because different businesses, are different models. So, you know, Watch House, we don't have wholesale programs. So, you know, we're, we're strictly D2C. For me, a consistent thing I think a head of coffee should be is they should be the thread from seed to cup. And I guess what I mean by that is that a head of coffee to me for a brand should have a touch point at every stage in that coffee's journey because they should be the one that understands their company's mission or vision for coffee and make sure it's realized. So a head of coffee to me may not be executing even the sourcing. They may not be executing the roasting. They may not be brewing coffees for customers. However, they will lead and manage and, and have contact with the people who are executing and, and they will provide that leadership and guidance. Great. And what about your day-to-day role? Describe that. If we're talking current day, it's obviously evolved a lot. I've been at Watch House for over five years. Um, when I joined, there was only just opened the third shop. so. There was a lot of time on the bar ahead of coffee in a very small company. You know, is still kind of a head barista, if you like. But a day to day now, I think, is very strategical. It depends on the time of the month. We run on a monthly cycles. But in a general week, there will be time spent planning out what buying looks like in line with our opening pipeline for houses. So planning volumes, negotiating contracts, talking with suppliers. There will be amount of tasting coffees. Be that. Samples that we are considering, or production batches. In a typical week, there will be catch-ups with production team and and with operational teams, um, to ensure we're all on the same page. And typically, we'll be looking at new houses and their design, and giving ideas towards the designs and how they might work in a live environment. And typically, you'll see me sitting in a watch house and talking with the team in a more informal manner on you know how the coffees are tasting, how their day is going, and gathering feedback. So. Yeah, there's a a large amount of strategical and administrative work and that's split between content, physical buying, quality control. And then there's some of the the softer side of engaging with the team, running workshops and supporting them. And what about training? Do you still get involved in
3: the actual training of baristas?
0: At this point, training is still something that is divided and we have a weekly workshop that we invite anyone to come. It's not, let's say, official training modules, but they're designed to be really interesting engage my baristas and I'll take my share of those. And from our induction training perspective, yes, I will play a part in the induction and, and give an induction to Watch House Coffee to new starters. So yeah, I stay pretty actively involved. Now, if I was to walk into
3: your wonderful new store in Marlebone, yeah. London, how many different physical coffees could I taste?
0: You would be able to taste six different coffees in
3: one moment. Six different minimum. coffees in one minute. Well, That brings us to a really interesting question now. I wonder if you tell
0: us about the coffee program at Watch House. We launched last year 40 coffees in our houses, and, and this year the goal is to launch 52. You should expect to find a regularly changing and diverse offering that provides interest most days. At the moment, split our coffee so that there is a coffee designed for milk and a coffee designed not to have with milk. And I'm always thinking about how that might evolve. I would really love to move the espresso conversation to a choice when you arrive. So regardless of whether you're a flat white drinker or an espresso drinker, I love the idea that you would come in and ask you know, someone would ask you, like, oh, do you want one that's more towards fruity or more towards chocolatey? And you get your coffee. But actually, it's a very really complex, logistical, operational question. So it will take time. And what about sourcing? How does that happen? What's
3: your role in that?
0: Yeah, sourcing has evolved. I'm still um, executing the sourcing directly. I think that will be a future evolution at Watch House to have a sourcing manager and to have the head of coffee oversee it. But at the moment, sourcing has evolved as well. So when we started our roaster in August 2020, we started with a good offering from some great importers, uh, like Falcon Specialty and an Ally Coffee, and we worked with coffees, I should say, off of a spot offer list, which means the coffees were warehoused at that time. More and more, it becomes that we are pre-booking coffees, um, and we are booking them exclusive for us. So, what that really means, how sourcing happens, is very much in advance. So, generally, coffee contracts are signed anywhere between six months or more in advance for our main coffees. And we are generally setting up some of those contracts to pay forward and to get things moving so that we can have the producers focused on quality and again secure absolute exclusivity for us. Fantastic.
3: Now for baristas out there who are interested in progressing their coffee careers, what piece of advice would you give to someone who wants to make that transition from barista to head of coffee?
0: I think that it's important in coffee to define what it is you love about coffee because a head of coffee is somewhat all-encompassing. So I would say that a head of coffee needs to be all-rounded enough but not be the best in any element. But as if you are someone who's really passionate about training or really passionate about green coffee or really passionate about coffee roasting or, you know, you need to really define what transition you want to make. And I think that there are many branches, and I think that people's classic want as baristas is a, to be a barista, to then become a roaster and become a head of coffee or something. But there are really many, I think, many options out there. So I would first say my first advice is to sit down with a, a bit of paper and, and ask yourself what you really love about coffee and say what you want to go. If you really w- was head of coffee, I would say that you need to show skills that are strategical organisational and leadership. I think that, of course, Head of Coffee is about also understanding and being good at making coffee. But for me, more importantly, and I think for any brand looking for a Head of Coffee, they are looking for someone who shows great leadership and can be a face of their coffee business.
3: Ryan, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thanks so much for having me. So for a boutique specialty chain like Watch House... Ryan has progressed from a straightforward role as lead barista when the brand had only three stores to now being responsible for the entire coffee menu, the sourcing strategy, roasting, and also barista training. Watch House is clearly an ambitious, young, entrepreneurial company. And it reminds me of the time when I first set up Allegra more than 24 years ago And I met Jerry Ford, the CEO of Cafe Nero, with only 13 sites at the time, an equally ambitious young entrepreneurial cafe chain. In these last 24 years, Cafe Nero has added over a thousand outlets across 10 countries and across a number of brands. Cafe Nero, Coffee One, Harrison Hall, and Aroma. So now let's hear from Chris Jordan, head of coffee for Cafe Nero, on how he ended up in this role and what the role entails for this now very large and complex coffee business.
1: Welcome, Chris. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Could you give us some background on yourself uh, to begin with? I started as a barista and then managed a store for a few years, but then I moved quickly into the cupping lab. And then I spent the better part of 10 years in that lab with Starbucks and managing quality at the roasting facilities. And then ultimately being at Starbucks coffee trading company in Lausanne, Switzerland. So I'm really a cupper by trade. As part of that process, I ended up really falling in love with Africa and African coffees. And uh, that gave me an opportunity to move to Africa with the first Gates Foundation funded grant in agriculture. And TechnoServe received a grant, which was supported by multiple people in the industry, including Starbucks. And my wife and I moved to Rwanda, Kigali, and helped lead that program regionally in Rwanda, Ethiopia, Tanzania, and Kenya. I was actually looking forward to working with farmers, which I did, but also spent a lot of time on policy. So working with ministers of ag and trade and export and key industry bodies, and then from there, I, I did spend a few years with Dormans, where I worked the other side of the business. And just for the benefit of our
3: listeners, I should mention that
1: Dormans is a major coffee company in Kenya. So I managed a specialty book, worked on sustainability within that group, and then I also oversaw some of the cafes. So it was fun at that point we, to run coffee shops in a producing country. I got quite passionate about that idea of bringing quality to a place like Kenya and then became an entrepreneur after that. So for many reasons, including family reasons, ended up going back to the States where I was flung into small businesses and emerging businesses, raising capital, building boards, and growing businesses from one or two units to multi-unit craft, sort of scaling craft, if you will. And so I'm really happy to be back in London. It almost feels like deja vu or a groundhog's day, maybe. I came to London in around 2000 and moved abroad for the first time. So I'm back.
3: Oh, wow. Welcome back. (laughs) So now head of coffee at Cafe Nero. What does a head of coffee do at Cafe Nero?
1: So I oversee sourcing, manufacturing and roasting, product development, and then the delivery. There's three things to deliver a great coffee experience. And it sounds really easy, but it's not. It's sourcing of green coffee. It's roasting it really well, and then it's brewing it really well. And so those are the things that I oversee within the business.
3: So run me through these three facets of the coffee program and who looks after them. Could you start with the sourcing side?
1: Santiago is an agronomist by trade. He's Ecuadorian and just has such an incredible, not only technical expertise because he came from the trade, but he has such a great understanding of how a producer lives and how the producer works and what the needs of those supply chains are. What about the roasting side? We have Giuseppe down there, engineer by trade, an Italian. And it's been 15 years kind of learning the trade and is a certified cupper and has an incredible palate and also just a really great leader. And the brewing side? We have David McCormack's, who is a certified SEA trainer and overlooks the retail side of the business and the product development side of the business, which when you have 1,050 stores, making sure that that brewing is done right. I mean, David has a big, a big job um, making sure that all of our regional coffee support all of our store level coffee support are getting the resources that they need and being able to brew coffee and be able to tell that story um, throughout the business. I think when people think about brewing, they often forget about equipment and Craig Henwood oversees equipment across our entire estate, And I think we have one of the most comprehensive uh, equipment maintenance programs in the business. What's the hottest part about your role? Coffee is such a joy to work in. And so it's hard to say that any of it's hard, But I think if you look at the hospitality industry post COVID, it's really, when we talk about people being so important, continuing to be able to attract staff and retain staff and train them and get them really excited about coffee is the most complex. It's not to say that sourcing from producers isn't complex. It's not to say that roasting isn't complex, but that in a business that's over a thousand locations is certainly the most complex. Yeah.
3: Stepping back to the sourcing, what, what do you look for in a coffee supplier, a coffee partner?
1: Santiago really runs this territory for Nero and has done it for a while. But ultimately, Santiago is traveling to these origins. He's looking for somebody that can deliver consistent quality, that can be reliable. And you know Nero is a classic European coffee brand. And so you want to be able to build a blend like our Classico that delivers that experience. So again, I think probably the primary one is building a solid relationship and partnership that you can rely on.
3: Someone that wants to become a head of coffee, someone that dreams of that's their ideal role, what steps do you recommend they take to become that head of coffee?
1: It's important in any leadership position that you know your, your business. And so I think there's an element, again, of understanding how to brew coffee really well or how to roast coffee technically or how to cup coffee technically. So those are some core aspects to the technical elements of coffee. And so it's important that you know that so that you can lead a team. And then the other piece is just being a great leader. And for me, being a great leader is being a great listener. I mean, the primary function for me is to make sure that that incredible team of people are getting the things that they need and they're being supported in the right way. So I think there is the technical piece of really learn. And I think it's a fun thing too, in coffee, like learn roasting and and get technical about it and learn how to brew coffee. It's such a fascinating science and learn how to taste coffee. It's so complex and it's a lifetime of learning, to be honest. But then also the other piece is leadership.
3: Thanks so much for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thanks, Jeffrey. It's clear that the head of coffee role at Cafe Nero is extremely broad and crucial to the business. Chris oversees the sourcing, roasting, and brewing of thousands of tons of coffee across over a thousand cafes in many geographies. He's clearly a very seasoned coffee expert, but at this scale, Chris has to delegate core activities to specialists in different areas, roasting, sourcing, training, and equipment. In a company like Cafe Nero, the position of head of coffee is a senior executive role. And so it should be when coffee is the soul of your brand. But what does the head of coffee role look like in a business where coffee is not its core focus? To explore this, we speak with Jennifer Salmoni, VP of Operations, and Antonia Pataccio, head of coffee training in D.C. for Tate. Tate was founded by Zurid Or, an Israeli immigrant and pastry chef, in 2007 and began offering baked goods at a Boston farmer's market before opening the first bricks-and-mortar site in 2008. Today, Tarte has 30 bakeries in and around Boston and Washington, DC. While Tarte focuses on producing artisanal baked goods from scratch, the brand prides itself on the quality of its coffee offering as well. However, Tarte doesn't actually have a formalized head of coffee role. So let's hear from Jennifer and Antonia on how they structure their coffee program and what's the role of their roasting partner in helping them deliver an exceptional coffee offering welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Jennifer, how did you get into this industry and what keeps you excited about it?
2: I actually went to culinary school because I really just loved food and the way it brought people together. And as a part-time job, I actually started to work at Starbucks. Then I joined Tate almost eight years ago when we only had five locations. A lot of my role is, hey, we're validating standards. We're connecting with team members. We are thinking about long-term plans. That's kind of my operational role. And then my role as I'm supporting beverage innovation is working with our R&D chef in how do we bring this maybe special latte? How do we now make it consistent across all 30 cafes? What does that look like? Do we need any new equipment? What is the recipe? How are we going to train it? Two different kind of roles, but they all focus mainly on cafe operations.
3: Wonderful. And Antonia? What about your background?
4: I decided to apply to be a barista here in the fall of 2020. Was a barista there for a few months and a position on our learning and development team came. So since then, I've been on learning and development for the past two years, helping with opening all new cafes in the DC market and doing all in-cafe barista training for baristas, for managers, and then really helping facilitate those new cafe opens.
3: Fantastic. How important is coffee To a business like yours, which is bakery,
2: I think it's very important. (laughs) It's very important. I wouldn't have expected anything else. Yeah, it's very important (laughs) to us. And I think just to share with you some kind of numbers, our coffee program is thirty six percent of our business, which is actually a really big number for a concept that has you know bakery, savory, and coffee. So we really want to
3: do it well. I wonder if just sort of describe the coffee offering that you have, and also you know where do you get your coffee from.
2: So our coffee roasting partner is DEMTown. In terms of our coffee program, we have a, what I would consider a very traditional espresso milk menu. We're not really geared on specialty drinks. We do seasonal drinks, but not a lot of specialty drinks. And our main focus is really training baristas. So we really want top talent working at the barista station. And that's what our main focus on really teams and people that are passionate about coffee that can
3: talk about coffee. Why Stumtown?
2: I think originally, Stemtown became our partner really because Zareet fell in love with their brand. And they've been Tate's partner since 2012, when we opened our second location. Zareet had her kind of coffee aha moment. Her palate is very traditional espresso. And she really fell in love with Stemtown Roasters when she visited the Ace Hotel in New York. And that's why they became our partner originally. And I think stemtown when you think about their brand they're on the smaller scale as well even though they're a very well-known brand and it fits with our like smaller detail oriented brand that Tate is their relationships with farmers the way they source their beans the services they give in terms of training support equipment support you know just kind of great visits into their training space in New York has been wonderful and they're they're just a really great partner to have especially from a company like ours that You know, we do not have a head of coffee. So in essence, we look to them for that type of support and that guidance.
3: What are some of the areas that they help you with in your coffee program?
2: If we're thinking about designing a different space or a different flow, equipment recommendations, Tate locations are extremely high volume locations. We're using pretty much manual equipment on all the barista stations, but are there ways that we could be more effective in the way we operate in terms of equipment? They're recommending new coffees. So if we want to launch, recently we launched a whole new retail single origin line and they were very supportive and making recommendations, helping us manage a rotating calendar. You know, we're willing to come to Boston and D.C. and do tastings with us to kind of engage the team as well as our guests. Whatever kind of we need, they're really
3: supportive. Antonia, what do you would tell us about the training program of baristas at Tate?
4: We do three days with me in any cafe, really, in D.C. So our first day is really espresso-focused. Milk quality and steaming and texture on our second day. And then we kind of really zeroing in on the bar flow, making sure that there's that team cohesiveness when working with other baristas on the station, especially in our higher-volume cafes, is really key. And we have a lot of support from Stumptown on how to build these training programs.
3: So clearly a specific element of your coffee training program will have an element of how to be efficient.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, especially on our third day when we're focusing on the flow, I think for some cafes, bar flow can really just be as simple as, what are my responsibilities if I'm the second person coming onto the bar? The reality for us, as a lot of our cafes are very high volume, is you'll likely have three to four people on one bar station. And Adhering to those within those lines of responsibilities for each position on the bar as it pertains to bar flow is pretty crucial to the success of your bar station, um, the peace of mind of baristas, to getting beverages out in a timely manner and to, you know, serving our guests pretty efficiently.
3: And what about follow-up training? Is there sort of regular training to the whole team?
4: So about four to five weeks out from their initial training date, I'll circle back with those trainees and just administer a bit of a certification test. So I might be having them pour me a lineup of our basic menu. And I'm assessing steam quality, temperature, texture, latte art, taste. I'm assessing their dial-in recipe. I'm tasting their shots. Just making sure that everything we went over through those days one through five are really solidified and they feel strong by day 30. Same thing goes for our managers.
3: So beyond the training, Jennifer, what are some of the Areas that you're concerned about in your coffee program to get that consistency?
4: We're just
2: at an interesting kind of point here at Tate with our growth and answering this old age question of, hey, will our guests wait or do we really need to be as fast as a Starbucks or a blank street? And so I always err on, I don't want to see an automatic machine sitting on our barista station. That to me, it doesn't feel like craft, right? And so can we solve that with, equipment. Can we solve it with better bar flow? And then it does also come down to the people that we hire and the people we train to be our baristas, as well as our managers who are managing these cafes.
3: Great. It's been absolutely fabulous spending time with you both here today. Thanks for joining us on Fifth Wave.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.
3: It's clear that Tate draws invaluable support from a very trusted external party, Stumptown, to manage the sourcing and roasting of their coffee. When it comes to coffee, Tata's top priority is consistent, high-quality beverages made quickly and efficiently. So we've seen how the role of Head of Coffee varies dramatically across different operators depending on the business's scale, complexity, and focus. The critical role of Head of Coffee is a thrilling leadership opportunity for someone who loves coffee, seeks to understand it deeply, and wants to teach and manage high-performing teams. Could this be the next step in your own coffee career? And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. If you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly coffee dose, our newsletter, collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. Link in the show notes. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Geoffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions and sound engineering by Chris Bristol. And this week's song in collaboration with The Coffee Music Project is Don't by New York-based artist Marley. Until next time, stay safe, stay passionate and stay caffeinated.
1: I'm all in from the first time you said to me Come on